Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. You're listening to Rob Kendall. When we talk about sending money somewhere, mm-hmm. we're talking about printing the money because we have no money. And Casey Daniels. My government would never lie to me, would they? On 93 WIPC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Let's find out what those overachievers down the street from us at 200 West Washington are up to these days. And do that, we go to one of the best in the business. Joining us now on the WIBC hotline, the great Nikki Kelly from Indiana Capital Chronicle. All right, Nikki, you were at the uh, big John Rust hearing yesterday in front of the Indiana Supreme Court. It seemed like a split court. What say you? Yeah, I mean... To be fair, Casey Smith was at the hearing for us. I did live tweet it online, but um, via via the live stream. I mean, I think Justice Massa was clearly on the side of upholding the law. Chief Justice Loretta Rush was very skeptical of the law. But, you know, knowing the history of this Indiana Supreme Court and its previous, you know, iterations, they really, really don't like to strike down state laws. So... Um, I would still think it's upheld, but perhaps pretty narrowly. So the Dietrich ruling was 36 pages. He's a Republican judge. If you had to guess based on the the question, because Slaughter seemed like he was pretty open to to Rust as well. Is it, I mean, 36 pages, a big, long ruling. There's a lot of areas they'd have to say Dietrich screwed up on. Yeah, I mean, and and, uh, there are obviously precedents. Uh, not quite on par, but close, similar that both sides are clinging to and trying to get the justices to agree on. Um, it, it did seem that even it did seem that all of them understood some sort of, you know, right of the party to control who is deemed a Republican or a Democrat for that matter. Um, the question is sort of how do you do that? And, and make a balance between the party and the state interests. Yeah, you, and you did, a, you did a great job live tweeting. Well, you do you do 90% of the work on this show now, Nikki, so that's why we love having you on. You actually just do most of the work. Where's my paycheck? <laughs> yeah. We've been asking that for exactly. years, too. We wondered the same thing. Um, but I, I thought there were two areas of that I'm going to be fascinated, if indeed they uphold the law, that are going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. One if you're an 18-year-old kid who's eligible to hold yep. office in the state of Indiana, how do you do that because you can't have voted in in a primary? And the second one is there's nowhere in the Constitution, the state Constitution, that says some party chair can decide whether you live or die at the ballot box. So I'm going to be curious to see how they rectify those. Yeah, I, I, to me, that was definitely a hole in the argument is that they didn't at all broach the issue of the youngsters who are just becoming eligible, you know, to run for office and don't have enough time to get those two primaries in, or say someone who's moved from out of state and, you know, hasn't, you know, had a voting history yet, doesn't know their party chair, their county chair enough, 
They didn't bridge those topics at all, which I did find a little disappointing in the argument. Nikki, was it your impression that Justice Massa was a little um, perturbed about the whole thing? Um, I mean, he, he, he certainly went in there with a couple, couple, uh, sharp comments. I, I believe he was the one who said at some point, you know, why is it so hard to vote in two primaries? Right. And, and to be fair, if you look at John Ruff's voting history, you know, he's one and one the last two he voted. He didn't vote several times that he could have, and this whole thing could have been just, you know, decided so if anything it's a reminder for people to vote you know to get their name on there if they ever want to serve on a ballot it seemed like he also suggested that no matter what they rule that you know it could change at the convention anyway well i think the point they were trying to make about the convention is parties can already shut down the process to the public by going the convention route so how is that you know okay, but limiting to two primaries isn't okay, is I think the point I took from him on that. Yeah, Nikki Kelly's our guest for the Indiana Capital Chronicle. She did a great job live-tweeting the John Rust hearing yesterday. I wanted to ask you about that because this has changed dramatically now where you guys can view that, and it really helps with transparency. So whatever the Supreme Court sides on, I mean, it's great for the public now because you guys, uh, the media, can really give more insight into what's going on in the court system, and that's really changed a lot the last couple of years oh yeah um you know we've been able to watch and 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 see the arguments for a while but the how quickly rulings are posted how easily they're you know retrieved in the my case system um certainly way different than when i first started as a reporter and we had to go down to the courthouse three times a day to check filing <laughs> um one more question then we'll get off this and go to your your column on property tax which i thought was real interesting is the problem here look i think people look at rust and we've had him on a couple times he's an opportunist i mean i don't think anybody really believes hey rust is this is this super die in the wool rock solid conservative republican but the problem is while he might not be the best guy to test the case with the law does seem pretty bad, and that's, I think, kind of what people struggle with here. This guy might not be on the up and up, uh, you know, 100% in terms of being the most solid Republican out there, but he's pointed out what seems to be a pretty flawed state state law. Yeah, and, you know, I think there were some other examples that were even better that were given in the hearing. The, the example of Charles Bookwalter from 22, he was thrown off. The Indian Election Commission, due to the two primary rule, agreed and said, no, you can't run as a Republican. I think he was running for Congress in 22. Right. But he was allowed to run as a Republican delegate. <laughs> mm. <laughs> They'll put him where they want him. <laughs> exactly. And that was one of the issues that Michelle Harder, Russ attorney, was saying is that it's all very uh, you know, ambiguous, but mm-hmm. they'll have a county chair say, oh, yeah, we'd love for you to run for, you know, this office, but this one isn't available for yeah. you. All right, Nikki Kelly, our guest from the Indiana Capital Chronicle. We touched on your uh, piece that you had yesterday about the um, property taxes and how you said that these Senate surveys that you've had access to, overwhelmingly the number one p- thing people say they want fixed are property taxes. Absolutely. I was r- looking through them and just sort of you know, fascinated at how property taxes were top every time they gave four options. Property taxes were regularly more than 40% of the vote. Um, 
of the list. And so I just found it fascinating because I think what's clear is that lawmakers want to cut a state tax, (laughs) not a local property tax, because it's much more complicated to do that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they get around what their constituents want. I'm surprised that they're paying attention to these surveys. Or are they? You know, some do and some don't, I think. Sometimes they occasionally bring them up in hearings. They'll say, on my constituent surveys, 80%, you know, said blah, blah, blah. Um, They're obviously not scientific or anything like that, but I think they give you an idea what your voters are looking at. How do you get access to these? Do you have to do some sort of FOIA request, or do they just say, here's the results, Nikki, good luck? Um, Well, it's a mix, honestly, depending on each caucus. Um, The Senate Republicans are posting theirs. So some of them post them. Um, Some of them you have to ask for them. Um, Some of them just are on a different time schedule because you've got four caucuses scheduling it. So it seems like Senate Republicans were ahead in in posting them, though not every single member. I also think it's up to the member whether they want their their survey results that prominently displayed. Obviously, you can can ask for them, but, you know, whether you're going to post them is is up to each caucus, each member. I, I want to ask you, so in your, in your column, you did a great job of laying out this is the last thing the Republicans actually want because now they've got to go take on the local governments and either figure out how to a way to replace revenue or, as they kind of did in 2008, 2008 and 2010, go, hey, your budgets are a little out of control, let's rein these things in, or a mixture, which is ultimately what they decided to do, they, I don't think they want any part of this, but it sounds like they're going to have to at least fake like they care and are attempting to do something. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think they're going to have to do something. I I mean, at least back in 2008, you could point to some some sort of budgeting issues. But you've had all these different controls in place now for 20 years. And, you know, those local budgets are only growing at a small amount that they're allowed to under state law. <laughs> So and 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 frankly, it's hard to to pinpoint that when you're not looking at the same growth. I mean, the state budget's grown too. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. you can't say, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, kind of thing. Nikki Kelly, finder at IndianaCapitalChronicle.com. You're the best. Thank you. All right, you guys have a good day. Thanks, Nikki. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. minutes after 10 you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC let's talk about Donald Trump and what he said he's getting some criticism for uh, suggesting that NATO allies um, you know if, if they're not paying that the United States shouldn't be there to protect them it's pretty much what he said let's take a listen one of the presidents of a big country stood up said well sir uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia Will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. So is this a case of you get what you pay for? Well, look, again, you can apply this, though, to us here in America. Right. I mean, yeah. we can, you can buy this all everything we everything we do, Casey, is 
we are, I mean, we're a, we're a magical money printing factory here in this society. Everything we do is on printed money. Everything we do is on things that uh, other people who don't have a vote in it are going to have to pay for someday. So extrapolate it to everything. Yeah. Uh, Todd Young, by the way, you mentioned everything we do here in this country because the Senate voted to pass that $95 billion border bill, which sends money elsewhere but doesn't keep any here. Todd Young was one of the people who voted for it. He did put out a statement. He said this legislation provides vital security assistance to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. We can't abandon our allies and partners as they face existential threats. But wait, 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 wait. Our official policy is the one China policy. So what what does Taiwan need our assistance for? Right. Are they independent or not? I mean, if they're if they're a part of China, why do they need protection from China? See, this is the point. It's the hypocrisy uh, of all of this. What does Israel need our money for? Well, I think they're the only time they have trouble taking out Hamas is when we interfere. Hmm. They did a pretty good job of it when we just kind of stay out of the way. Again, with the Ukraine. What interest, what is, more, what is more harmful to me as an American? Russia continuing a conflict with Ukraine or maybe getting a slice of land back that they believe is theirs or me having to send 60 billion more printed dollars, which will make everything more expensive for mm-hmm. me and disrupt our entire monetary and financial system further and drive inflation higher. What's the bigger threat to me? I am so sick of sending money to people who don't like me. I am so sick of sending money to people who badmouth this country. I'm so sick of sending money to people who believe they're entitled to my money. I'm so sick of having to pay more at the grocery store so that a, a country who all not that long ago was lined up with Saddam Hussein can do who knows what with it. You know there's no check and balance. There's no audit. There's no investigation. There's no accountability. They just give them the money because we've been at it for two years. Yeah. Nobody knows where any of this money's gone. And like Rand Paul said, what, are we just backing up pallets of cash? Is this arriving in briefcases? What's going on here? Todd Young went on to say that the bill will also help rebuild our defense industrial base. Oh. Oh, well, you mean, yes. wait, wait, wait. What, 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 what your words did he, can you read that again for me? Defense Casey? industrial base. <sighs> it sounds really like military industrial, industrial complex, complex, doesn't it? It sure does. I don't know, Casey. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Yeah, he says he wants to restore the military readiness from artillery to uh, semiconductors. Um, and there he is on the semiconductors again. But when it comes to NATO, so 11 members were expected to meet their 2% threshold last year. They include Poland, the United States, Greece, Estonia, Lithuania, Finland, Romania, Hungary, Latvia, Britain, and Slovakia. Okay. So those are the countries that are ponying up the cash. What if we just stopped giving money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like what? Are we led to believe NATO would just cease to exist? And if it did cease to exist, that shows how little the other countries actually believe in it and care about it. What if for just three years we just said we're not giving any more money? We're, we're, we've done our part. We're done mm-hmm. here. And you guys can, can keep it going for a while. What What's the worst that could happen? Right. Well, um, you know, there's the Article 5 of NATO that says if one of the allies gets uh, invaded, then we all get invaded. Sure. Canada, not one of the countries that's up to the 2%. Yeah. Are they in threat this of being point. invaded I, anytime I mean, I'm, soon? Like, uh, this is a, a serious question I've had for many, many years now. What if we just simply said, we are done paying, we've mm-hmm. paid way too much for way too long, 
we've got a bunch of IOUs that we're going to cash in, and we're going to stay in NATO, but we're going to go three years and not pay. Are we led to believe that they would allow NATO to crumble? And what does NATO even do? Mm -hmm. What do they even do, Casey? When's the last time that there was some great unified force? Because it seems like every conflict we get in, we go it alone, Iraq, Afghanistan. I mean, there's a couple other people that help out a little bit on the side. What if we just said we're done for three we're just three years? Let's see what happens. We're done for three years. By the way, uh, the United States obviously sl- supplies the largest percentage of, you know, they're spending money. Yeah, that's correct. 3.49%. Right, that's so, correct. So we're at 3.5%, and the next closest looks to be Greece at 3%. So uh, Nikki Haley says that it would be a big mistake if uh, we were to do that. It is a mistake for Trump to side with Putin over our allies. We needed a lot of friends after 9-11. We better remember that. But it takes a friend to to get a friend. (laughs) Ambassador Haley, I'm sure you've seen the comments from the likes of Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio. When it comes to NATO, do you feel like you're potentially at a step with members of your own party? You know, it's not the goal is never to follow the polls. The goal is to make sure you you communicate what's right. We need to make sure that we have an alliance that's strong. Our whole goal is to prevent war. That's the main thing. I mean, you look at Russia right now. The reason people should care about Ukraine is because, one, it's a pro-American, freedom-loving country. But, two, listen to what Putin said. Putin Uh said once he takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. Those are NATO countries. That immediately puts America at war. This is about preventing war. This is about keeping an alliance strong. This is about bringing more friends in, not pushing friends away. Donald Trump doesn't get that. I specifically used that part of the clip for you because she said that Ukraine was a freedom-loving country. Oh my gosh. <laughs> These people, Casey, they just they lie and they lie and they, like it doesn't bother them at all. They're not. They have no shame. Well, you knew Nikki Haley was going to go on that side of it, though. Oh, just oh my goodness, do we have voicemails? We do have voicemails, and somebody is very upset with Todd Young. Oh boy, straight to the front of the line with that person. Okay, we're going to uh, get to those coming up from ninety-three WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. number is 317-684-8444 if you'd like to contribute to the voicemails call and uh, let us know what's on your mind it is 1032 with kendall and casey on 93 wibc so uh the senate passed the 95 billion dollar foreign aid package it'll be going to the house next uh nothing for the united states and in indiana todd young senator voted yes mike braun voted No. And I do believe that that is what has this guy so upset. He has a message to Todd Young, and he is big mad. Hey, Rob, Casey, Robba, enjoy your show, Casey. I enjoy you guys' show. But I want to say this to the Republican uh, here in the state of Indiana. You put a senator in by the name of Duca Spendingberg, which is Todd Young, he has voted the last time and this time, the last election and this election in Chuck, with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer 
He does not care for our border or our security. I don't know if that Marine Corps uniform that he was, if he thought it was a communist uniform for the Chinese and and destroying America, you had better think and get this idiot out of Washington, D.C. As a military man, you better get rid of Todd Young because you idiot put him out, all you idiot Republicans. I didn't vote for him the first time, and I didn't vote for him the second time. But the rest of you, you're going to have to eat what he's done. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) He's not happy. Not happy. Hard to argue with anything he said. <laughs> Got anything to add? <laughs> no, I think it's just, I think that pretty Succinct much spoke, to spoke the point. Himself. Yeah, okay. Uh, so yesterday we had Jamie Rittenauer on the show, and she's running for governor in the great state of Indiana. And it appears that that interview may have changed a few people's oh. minds about how they are voting. Rob and Casey, based on your interview with Jamie today, I am switching my vote in the primary and will be voting for her. I was originally going to vote for Hill in the primary and then vote for Rainwater in the general. Um, But I really liked what she had to say. And so I'm switching and will vote for her in the primary and uh, have an open mind for the general. Thanks. It is interesting how... Uh, uh, disappointing I don't know I don't want to sound like a parent here but Curtis Hill's campaign has been pretty disappointing so far because I you know I thought when he got in it's like all right he's going to be on this revenge tour and Mm -hmm. he is going to name names and he is going to tell everybody where the bodies are buried and he is going to leave a tornado like wake in his path and it just really hasn't happened I mean I haven't really seen anything unique from him in terms of policy proposals I haven't really seen a very bold vision i haven't really seen him go publicly or directly at the holcomb administration the way i kind of thought he would and look she clearly is willing to do that and people are people are desperate for that like i mean you've got you've got a bunch of plastic people running running right now i mean you got chambers uh you got brawn you've got doden you've got crouch i mean there is and we had Doden on. He's a nice, nice enough guy, but there is zero personality. I mean, there's zero for us in the media to go, wow, that person's cool to cover. Mm-hmm. Boy, isn't that? That's why Trump, mm-hmm. part of why Trump did so well. It's like he's interesting. He's going to say something. You know, the first time he ran, it's like we've, we haven't seen this before. And he got, you know, literally billions of dollars in free earned media. Right. And you have five five people who are running and the lane is open if somebody will just have a big bold a set of big bold ideas and actually be entertaining and and interesting in the way they articulate them and none of them want to take it and she will mm-hmm. she's interesting you can say whatever you want about you know hey she doesn't have any money or whatever she's way more interesting than the rest of those than the rest of those people and you're going to get way different answers from her than the rest of those people so uh i i, I it's hard to argue with what that lady said do you think that that's a loca- lack of motivation on from Curtis Hill, you said you're, you know, you're disappointed. I think what happens, I, I think what happens is that all the five, the kind of the five more known quantities mm-hmm. are all in their own way, very still connected into the power structure. And 
part of being connected into the power structure is you learn to believe that you need those people because they made you and you're worried they will break you. And I think Curtis, one of my issues with Curtis, and we've talked about this before, is he's entourage guy. Yeah. And he rolls around with three or four people behind him at all times. She came in here That's with an ego boost. She has one paid employee. Yeah. He's a 21 year old kid who just ran a television station. Yeah. It's like, it is, it's so refreshing. It's just her. Like, she's like, here I am. This guy's going to film the stuff. I have one paid employee. Let's go. There's something Main Street endearing about that. And my thing with Curtis is, Curtis gets into the idea, and I say this is someone who really likes Curtis. We've talked about this many times. I like a lot of what Curtis did as attorney general. There's some things I don't like. But I think people get too afraid that they're going to ruffle the wrong feathers. And instead of just trusting your instinct, your instinct is, listen to this show each day. People are sick of the crap, Casey. Mm -hmm. They're sick of what's going on in this country. They're sick of what's going on in the state. In a Republican primary, they're certainly sick of Holcomb. And these these five kind of more known quantities just they listen to these advisors and these consultants and you know the entourage that rolls behind them and it's like the lane is there yeah it's just more of the same talking the lane is heard. totally there and just somebody's got to drive a truck through it mm -hmm. and i think she jamie rittenauer is willing to do that the problem she's gonna have though is lack of funds lack of money and look we aren't everywhere and i mean it's just she's going to have to figure out a way to get in front of people in the four corners of the state. It's been very uh, interesting watching her evolution from when she first came in to talk yeah, to us. Yeah, she's much better. Yeah, exactly. You, it, you can see, you can hear the growth. Here is where this race will get interesting, is at some point, Brad Chambers is going to decide he's had enough of Mike Braun and start running ads against him. <laughs> and the Braun voting record as a state rep is abhorrent. And yet nobody will touch that. That is what amazes me. That guy voted for 40-plus tax increases in 2017, mm -hmm. including the largest tax increase in the history of the state. And it, and it really shows you how far to the left the Republican Party in Indiana has gone, that you have a guy that has a made-for issue to just beat like a punching bag, which is he voted for all these tax increases, but because the Republicans are such the party of big taxes now, nobody will hit him on it. Right, because they're all on board with it. Nobody will hit him. The guy voted for the largest tax increase in the history of the state, and you've not seen one solitary ad, nor anybody in interviews or anything. Questioning that. Hit this guy on this. Yeah. Right. Um, so we got another phone call about Jamie's interview from yesterday. Hi, Rob and Casey. I just listened to your interview with uh, Jamie Rittenauer, and I think she sounded wonderful. And she's right. When comparing herself to Eric Doden, actions do speak louder than words. And, you know, I got to tell you, this Republican Party in Indiana, we're, we're sick of it. We're just sick of what this, this state has become. They had a $6 billion uh, surplus in 2022 and then a $2.9 billion surplus in 2023. So they can go out and buy property for this LEAP project, with our money, they can raise our property taxes to the levels that they're at, at now with our money. Instead of giving it back, they continue to tax. So she sounds great, and we're just tired of it. We're sick. We're sick of what this state has become under this Republican leadership. And I could go on and on, but this, this, this young lady sounds fabulous, and she definitely looks like someone I would support. So you guys have a great day. Thank you. So 
you know, I've always used Jesse Ventura as the blueprint for an insurgent, no-chance candidate to mm-hmm. win. Mm-hmm. And Jesse Ventura gave an interview years ago where he kind of talked about, hey, was there a moment where you felt like you were going to win or could win? And he and he told the story. He said in, in the debate, it was him and it was Norm Coleman and one of the relatives of Hubert Humphrey, I think, were the were the ones that were running for governor when he was running. And in the debate, he got asked a question about uh, the IRRB, and it is like way up on the Iron Range in Minnesota. If you're very, if you're familiar with Minnesota, there's like huge portions of just like kind of untapped wilderness, mm-hmm. and there's very the population is very centralized in the cities. And he gets asked this question about the IRRB, and it was this quasi or full government agency. And he gets asked this question, and he just looks at the moderator and goes i don't even know what you're talking about but if i'm governor and i'm elected i will be willing to learn about this mm-hmm. and the people in the were in the audience at the time just start applauding wildly because as he described and i can't say the word that he used but he said the people recognized i'm not bullcrapping you like i don't know everything norm coleman or the other guy would have given some long right. meandering non-answer because they don't know it either and the people said, hey. They would have tried to talk their way out of yeah, it. Yeah, this guy's at least being honest with us that he doesn't know what it is, mm-hmm. but he will learn about it if he needs to know about it as governor, and he will do it to the best of his ability. People want genuine. People want real. And that was, well, that was almost, that was 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Think about how much the government has disintegrated and the trust with government has disintegrated since then. People are looking for real. Donald Trump won because he was a real dude who acted like a real guy, and people believed in him. And none of these other five People don't believe in them because the answers are all just basically the same non-answers. How does Suzanne Crouch give Eric Holcomb an A and then spend the rest of the interview saying all the failures of the Holcomb administration? How does Eric Doden give the Republican Party a thumbs up and then start talking about all the things he wants to change? Mm-hmm. These things don't compute, but they're so afraid to attack the power structure. We're popular because we attack the power structure. Well, and that's why I don't think Jamie is afraid because she's not getting money from them, so no. she has nothing to lose. Yeah, no, So absolutely. it doesn't matter. Absolutely not. Uh, it is Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC, and we've got Hammer, who's going to join us next. Twelve minutes in front of eleven. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC, and Hammer joins us in the studio. Good morning. Happy Fat Tuesday, everybody. Mm-hmm. Is this is this an honor of your weigh-in? <laughs> I got some work to do ahead of Friday. <laughs> wow, I stepped on the scale this morning just to kind of see where we're at. Yeah. yeah. Your boy's in trouble. Remember that uh, <laughs> remember that episode of The Simpsons where Homer Homer goes, goodbye, toes, see you in the spring. <laughs> My uh, chances for making weight on Friday kind of remind me of when the U.S. Dream Team was getting ready for that first basketball game, the 92 Dream mm-hmm. Team against Angola. And they asked Charles Barkley, you know, what do you guys think about Angola? And Barkley says, well, I don't know much about Angola, but Angola's in trouble. <laughs> and your boy's in trouble when it comes mm-hmm. to Friday. So what's your plan then? Are you just going to throw caution to the wind and you say, hey, it's Fat Tuesday, let's just, you know, eat? Or are you like, no, I got to get to work? I mean, I'm going to try. Like, are you going to blow it so just blow it big? Or I technically have one timeout left, but mm-hmm. I don't want to blow that now because we got a long way to go still. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to hang on to that because I got some vacation time coming up and I really go nuts on vacation. 
vacation. Yeah. So I'm hanging on to that. So if I have to take the L this week, so be it. But I'm going to try my damnedest to get there. Well, here's the thing you got going for you, too, and don't forget this, is if you go up, then that becomes your baseline for the next week. So let's say, I mean, if you're going to go up, you might as well put on five pounds because then you'll be under, you know. But I want to reach my goal. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, I mean, let's let's face it. Your motivation is to not give me money. So if you let's say you went up five pounds, then you would have, you know, you're probably going to be under the next two, three weeks in a row, no problem at all. Right. So if I went up five pounds, I'd be at 250, because I'm yeah. at 245 right now. I would have to be 250 the following week, which shouldn't be a problem. But again, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm drinking water. I'm working out. We're yep. doing the things. Mm-hmm. It's a vegetable soup kind of week at the house. So we're trying, but your boy's in trouble. Um, <laughs> Are we going to the casino for the first day of March Madness? Are we doing that? I believe that was our plan. Yeah. Because we were supposed to have another mandate uh, back in 2020. Yeah. And that's when COVID happened and there was no March Madness. And we're like, oh, screw it. Might as well go to work then. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I think, yeah, Rob and I are going to go to the casino in Shelbyville the first day of March Madness, uh, gamble on the sports, Mm -hmm. maybe hit the blackjack table Mm -hmm. a little bit. And uh, have floozies bring us cocktails. <laughs> I just won a hundred bucks there this weekend. Did you really? What's I your did. game? I I do slots. Okay. Or roulette. Okay. It was slots. What's your weekend. roulette strategy? You just pick a number and hope luck works out, or do you have a routine? Do you have a strategy? No, I've got numbers. Yeah. Okay. Either that, or I'll do um, one of the sidebars like red or black. There you go. Yeah. All right. You know what we column. need? We need a rich listener to go with us mm-hmm. and do all this for us. There's got to be some rich listener that would like to hang out with us for a day. Well, look. I get... Where's Jefferson Shreve when you need him? Right. <laughs> How do, like, any one of us, myself especially, mm-hmm. not have a gambling endorsement, right. right? Like Shelbyville or Anderson. I get, you probably remember when I worked there, and you're not in a rush to get in bed with me now because I was better at my job than the butt sniffers that came over from, you know, the previous uh-huh. company. Uh-huh. But, like, there's nobody that's a bigger champion of gambling in the city than I am. Right. We've got the number one show in the city. We get recognized nationally. I go on cable news all the time. Why do I not have a gambling partnership? Yeah, that is a a bit of an odd thing. And you're actually somewhat decent at the the sports betting, too. I mean, your show was good. you know, give a lot of good advice, you know, charity work or End whatever of the you season call over it. 500. Yeah. Again, Scott Long and I, Scott was at multiple games over 500. I just got above the line. So we ended the year with a winning record up multiple units. Come on. What and are we all doing the free here? Entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you're, it is fat Tuesday, but you are not a new Orleans guy. I'm not. And this may surprise people because I like all the things that you think about when it comes to Fat Tuesday. I like booze, Mm -hmm. I like beads, Mm -hmm. and I like boobs. Right. I like all those things. But it's never really been something that I've wanted to just leave my responsibilities and race down to New Orleans. Yeah. Because I can get drunk and see boobs here. Or you'd rather see them on a beach all sandy, wouldn't you? Right. Because even when I was younger, and again, for those who don't know the story, when I was at Ball State, I lived in the animal house, right? I was the tame one. I had five roommates just raging, partying, hard drug-using dudes. And I was the tame one. And they would drop what they were doing and go to New Orleans like that because they wanted to go to Mardi Gras. And man, I just—I'd rather go to a beach and see hot chicks in bikinis yeah. and get drunk there. Yeah, because you—you right. you, you, you see the same sort of behavior, but it's the quality of people engaged in the behavior. I always just think about like when I would go to a bar, 
yeah, okay, I'm going to drink and there's going to be women there, but what sort of drink do you want to drink and what sort of women do you want to look at? And I'm willing to pay a little bit more to look at better women. Right. And and and, and so it's sort of the, you're sort of saying the same thing in terms of if you're going to go somewhere where people are going to be flashing their Cangular area, you want a high, a little bit higher quality cangular area, right? Like you go to a beach. One, you've got the ocean, you've mm-hmm. got the sand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes you put you in a better mood. I think. Sure. Um, and the quality is better, right? Like the chicks that I've hooked up with at a beach back in the day on spring break, way hotter than the chicks showing their cans on Bourbon Street. I'm just telling you for a plastic necklace, right? Right. Yeah. It does seem a bit degrading, doesn't it? That's yeah. all you're worth. It's a, a, a beaded necklace. I mean, because you could go to a dollar store and do a lot of damage mm-hmm. with hundred dollars in terms of the amount of beads you could purchase, mm-hmm. and that's all someone values their dignity mm-hmm. at. And it doesn't just work at Mardi Gras. You can go to Carb Day with beads here at the Motor Speedway. Same thing. Right. Yeah. 100%. What's coming up this afternoon? <laughs> oh, man. Tommy Laren is back. She always brings the heat. We've got her, uh, the new chief of police, Chris Bailey. We've got tickets to go see Brett Michaels and Party Girl. Nice. He's going to be on the show later in the week, by the way. And Jerry Lopez joins us, too. All right. Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.